King Asa, when he first met the Lord, he was so in love with God that he cleansed house, he got rid of all the idols, and he prepared his life so that the enemy that came, he prayed, he was so connected to God that God delivered him miraculously over and over again. And yet, toward the end of his life, he drifted away. He no longer rely on God. It sounds so much like a lot of our Christian walk. In the beginning, we are so in love with God. And we willing, I remember when I first came to the Lord, I came home with uh, my brother. And the first thing we did was, in fact, we take out all of our comic books, uh, the, the stuff that we used to be so much into, and we threw them all into the fireplace. We burned them all. Everything that we thought that were contrary, that were opposed God, we take and we burn it all in the beginning. Throughout our lives, we begin to reaccumulate all these things. And at a certain point, I actually look back, why do I have all this junk that in the beginning I got rid of? And what happened to King Asa was that, is that in the end of his life, rather than turning to God, he turned to men, and he depends on men. And he was, the Bible says, diseased in his feet at the end of his life. That is an indication of when your feet are diseased, what happened to you? You die eventually, yes, but you can't go where you want to go anymore. You can't do what you want to do anymore. Your feet won't take you to where you want to go. With so many Christians today, the height of our uh, pursuit of God, we begin to develop disease in our feet. And instead of going to God, we start going to men. And at the end of his life, it completely destroyed him. He doesn't even think about God, he thinks about men. And he went to a physicians rather than coming to God. And in the end, uh, didn't have a good ending. Yet, the Bible says this, Asa's life was perfect before the Lord. Why is that? And the reason was this, it was God that determined who is perfect. It's not what you do or how you do it, it is God who determines what is righteous and what is right and perfect. Another king who I know a lot of you knew, who has a very different relationship with God, and this king, his name is Nebuchadnezzar. Turn with me to the book that many of you sitting in this room bear the name of, and that is the book of Daniel. Yes, we have three Daniels in the church. You know what your name means? Yes, your name means judge or judged by God. Oh, I'm impressed that someone actually look up their name. You know what Paul means? If I knew, I would not, not chose the name Paul. Paul means little, tiny, puny. In contrast, you know what David means? David means beloved. All right, so Daniel chapter 2. Let's turn with me to Daniel chapter 2. Nebuchadnezzar was king, and he had a dream. And in this dream, he didn't tell anybody what the dream was, but he was very troubled by the dream. So what he did was he called all the magicians, the Chaldeans, all the wise men of Babylon at the time, and told them, tell me what my dreams mean. And the magicians say to the king Nebuchadnezzar, tell us your dream and then we will tell you the interpretation of your dream. But Nebuchadnezzar, he's a different king. He said, you know what? You guys are wise men, right? You guys are a men of understanding. You're Chaldeans, you are magicians. So why don't you tell me what happened in my dream? So the Chaldean says, really? That's impossible. 
We're not gods. We don't know. We're just magicians. So why don't you tell us your dream, and we tell you what it means. And the king, he was so upset with them. And he said, you know, if you don't tell me my dream, I will kill you all. I will turn your houses into piles, heaps of trash. That's what he said. They said, you cannot ask, O king, us magician and wise men to tell. It's impossible. Men cannot say this, cannot tell you this. And then he got so mad, and uh, he sent out the decree, and he said, let's kill all of the wise men. And what happened um, when he's, the decree sent out, they went out and looked for all the wise men in the whole kingdom of Babylon. And guess who was part of the wise men of Babylon? Daniel. Daniel was one of the wise men. And so they went and looked for Daniel, kill him. And then he said, wait a minute, I know who can interpret dreams. So he, along with his friends, went to pray to God, and then he came to the king, and he told the king what he dreamt. The king was really astonished, but then he told him also what the dream meant. And the king was really, really surprised. And so even though the dream, the interpretation of the dream was not in favor of the king, the king was really happy. The question that I, I want you to ask is, why are you here? Why are you being part of this church? Why are you pursuing God at all? Why am I pursuing God? Why am I a part of this church? Why am I a part of this body? Why am I sitting here learning this today? What is the end purpose of all of this? I ask myself that. I ask you that so that you start to think because otherwise, everything that we do here is in vain. And I can guarantee you this. I have better things to do than doing things that don't have an eternal value. And I know you all have better things to do than to sit here and waste your time. So what is the reason why we are doing everything that we are doing right here and why are we studying Nebuchadnezzar? You're storing knowledge, that's right. That's the key word, knowledge. Without knowledge, we die. Um, l let me give you an illustration, okay? When you're born, your parents want you to be successful in life. Parents, we want our kids to be successful. But we want our kids to be successful, but not in a way that unattainable. Um, I grew up, and somehow someone instilled in me the thought that I can be anything I want. So guess what? I was growing up, and I thought I want to be president of the United States of America. Hey, if, if you get a chance to be whatever you want, what do you want to be? I'm posing that question to you today, and some of you, Unfortunately, sitting around and have no idea what you want to be. You have absolutely no desire to be what you want to be in the future. That is a tragedy. A lot of times in our lives, people are telling you this. You cannot do it. You cannot be whatever you want to be. And that's what instilled in our lives and in the lives of our kids today is that you can't be anything you want to be. We've been so indoctrinated with all the things, uh, well, okay, maybe today if I have, if I can be, I wasn't born here, so I cannot be the president of the United States. But if I were, I would think about, would I want to be the president of the United States? Look at all the responsibility. So what I'm trying to tell you is this, is that there is a possibility for you to be everything that you want to be. But for you to be everything you want to be, you must first learn the basics. After you learn the basics, then you learn the intermediate things, and then you learn the advanced things. For example, if you want to go to work, 
get a job. Before you need to get a job, you need to learn, you need to graduate from some kind of education. Before you get to graduate from some kind of education, you need to learn. And then you need to learn, let's say, for example, you need to get to work. How do you get to work? You need to drive. How do you get to drive a car? You need to learn how to drive a car. Before you need to learn how to drive a car, you need to borrow a car. Somebody needs to teach you how to drive a car. Somebody needs to take you to the DMV so that you can get your license. Somebody needs to give you some kind of instruction, right? So all these things. And then in the end, you have your car. You have money to pay for the gas to get to work. Did you get there by yourself? No, we don't get there by ourselves. None of us get there by ourselves. So some of you today get a car from your parents and then your parents give you the credit card and tell you, okay, here's the credit card, here's the car. Whenever you run out of gas, just take the credit card, go to the gas station, fill up your car, and then go wherever you want to go. Would you be able to do it? Probably not. Right? Somebody got to teach you how to do it. But then once you are able to do it, you say, yeah, I can drive a car. I can do it all by myself. You have to pass through the first step first. And this is the first step. What we do here is the first step. I give you the instructions. I give you the manual take you through the process and showing you how to do it so that in the end you can do it. The purpose of what we try to do here is one day you would be able to by yourself get to where God wants you to be. And the process is that we come together today to learn how to do that. Even be, uh, beyond that is that you can teach others how to do it. We learn about King Asa and now we're learning about King Nebuchadnezzar. King Nebuchadnezzar is an image of a lot of Christians today. If you read King Nebuchadnezzar, he actually sounds a lot better than a lot of Christians today. He sounds and he acts and he behaves more like a Christian than a lot of Christians today. But you know the Bible tells you this, King Nebuchadnezzar was not saved. And that's why I want us to learn about King Nebuchadnezzar. What he did does not mean that God saves them. He has the lingo, he has the language, he has the attitude, but he does not get saved. What we do here, I believe, is very unique. I believe we are pursuing the heart of God as long as I live here. What we do here, I believe, is what God calls us to do, and I believe that I give you the right instructions. And I believe that God has called us in this place to teach you what is the right way. Because there are many churches that you can go to, they will tell you things that you want to hear. Evidence. Yesterday I talked to Journey about the fact that you are licensed to sin. And some of you thinking, why is he saying this to me? Frankly, I want to tell you the truth. Okay? I don't want to scare you to do the things that's right because in the end you figure it out and then you're going to turn against God. I want to tell you that God has set you free. Do whatever you want to do, even sin. But there's an evidence that reflects in your life whether or not you actually are saved. And that's what we want to do today is we want to look at King Nebuchadnezzar, evidence that's reflecting his life. And I'll show you why there are some Christians that sound like Christians, but are not Christians. Some Christians that look like Christians, but are not Christians. We're not here to judge other people. We're here to judge ourselves. So you judge yourself. Daniel chapter 2, to read with me in verse 22 so that we get the text and the context in place. He revealeth the deep and secret things. He knoweth what is in the darkness and the light dwelleth with him. Father, cause your word today to penetrate into the deep and dark places of our minds, of our hearts, of our being, so that we are shown the light. We are shown the wisdom of God. 
cause me today, Lord God, to be a vessel in which you will work through and reveal your wisdom and your instruction to us so that we will live and will be beneficial, Lord God, to your kingdom. Amen. Nebuchadnezzar was vexed. The word vexed means he was troubled, tormented by one thing. What happened in my dream? Many of you have dreams, and many of you have given up your dreams, have you? My dream of being president of the United States is gone. Once I found out, I'm not qualified. There's a lot of things that we desire, that we want to be in our future, in our dreams, that we're troubled by. There are, there are things that in your life that you want to do, but you are vexed or you are troubled by it, and no one is able to give you the answer to. One of those troubling thoughts is this, will I be saved? After all of this, will I be saved? That is the question. Will I, will any of these things matter? All the things I do here matter. In the end, will I be saved? And that's what troubling King Nebuchadnezzar was that there was something that was in his dream that was very troubling. And the thing that was in his dream that was troubling was that the end, it was not a happy ending. Something that was very destructive about the ending of his dream. And so he was very troubled and he went to the people around him and men cannot interpret what is divine. So he went to all the wise men and the magicians and all the Chaldeans in the kingdom and they say, tell us the dream and then we'll tell you what it means. He knew all this time, even though he allows them to keep their job and their position, faking all the way through, he allows them because they're not doing any harm to him or the kingdom until now. He can't tell me what really happens to me in the future, then what good are you? We tend to live in these silos of people agreeing with us and telling us things that we want to hear. And so Nebuchadnezzar, he can tell the people the dream. Remember, King Ahab did the same thing and his prophets telling him what he wanted to hear. And then until a real prophet came and told him the things that he didn't want to hear, what did he do to him? He slapped him and threw him in prison. See, we live in this society where we want to hear people telling us things that we want to hear. Your life is okay. God is pleased with you. Everything is fine. And then when someone like me comes and said, your life is not okay. Not, God is not pleased with you. You go find a different church to go to. We tend to want to be around people who tell us what we want to hear. I do that all the time. This morning, there's a man, I want him to come to church. I said, you know, if you're not busy, please come to church. Come to church because it has an effect on your soul. I would struggle with that. In the end, I said, you should find God. It's not just the act of going to church, but being in worship is important. And we want to say things, even in our best effort, things that make people don't hate us as much or don't have an aversion to us. King Nebuchadnezzar went to the wise men, and the wise men said, you know what, tell us the dream. And he knew that this is all a sham. It has been all a sham all along. It's been fake all along. But he wants to hear it. And now there's something in his dream that was so troubling that he said he wants to know what the answer is. And he knew all these people could not give him the answer. There's a man named uh, Nathaniel. He came to Christ. And Jesus told Nathaniel this. He says that, I tell you the things of the earth and you cannot understand, let alone if I tell you things that's in heaven. So by that statement, Jesus made two things very clear. One, he knew everything that's going on in earth. And number two, he also knows everything that's going on in 
heaven. By making that statement, he had established the fact that he knew everything on earth. We can't even understand everything on earth. And he also knew everything in heaven, which means that he must have come from heaven for him to know the things in heaven. And he came from heaven, meaning he is outside of the confine of time. He is not bound by time. Did you know that we don't know whether or not time and space really is the way that we say they are? Even us today, we think that we are controlled by time and space. Aging, distance, we can't even define time and, sp and space properly. Things in earth we can't understand. So the only person who can tell you about things that are outside of time is who? Is Christ. Is God. He has to come here. Otherwise, we would not know. No one would be able to interpret Nebuchadnezzar's dream. And so he was so angry that he was willing to destroy all the wise men. Imagine this. If you destroy all of the smart people, what do you have left here? What you have left is a country that you don't want to live in. And that's what Nebuchadnezzar was willing to do. He was willing to destroy all of the wise men out of Babylon. He was so angry that everything has been happening so far has been a sham, has been a fake, that he wants to destroy all. Contempt breeds stupidity. When you're angry, when you're upset, what follows is more, yeah, it's more stupidity that will come. And that's what he wanted to do. But thank God there was someone in his kingdom who has the answer. And he was planted there, not by his own will. Remember, Daniel and his friends were taken into captivity. They were taken by force. They did not go there willingly. The people who went willingly were Joseph and his family. But Daniel and his friends were taken by force. So God divinely put them in that place so that he can do this work now. Number two, man is motivated by his own destruction. And why? In John chapter 17, verse 15, Jesus says this, I pray not that you, meaning God, would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from evil. Now, we have been placed on earth just like Daniel and his friends. At times, we feel like this is a captivity. Well, it should feel like that. I feel sometimes I'd rather be with God than be here. I'd rather stand at the edge of this incredible creative God who sees him create all these things in eternity and be a part of the creative process rather than being here. How many of you love playing games and love to discover new things that people do? A lot of us. How many of you love to look at art? How many of you love to look at architecture? I love looking at these buildings. How many of you ever took a step back and asked the question, what have I contributed to this great masterpiece that I've seen? What have I done in my life that I've been, been a measure, in a small measure, contributed to this awesomeness that I see in front of me? How many of you play the game on your phone and thought about, when will I design something that people want to play? The difference between being a consumer and being a creator is vastly different. And God wants you to be the creative part of life, not the consuming part of life. God wants you to be the author, not just a reader. God wants you to be the artist, not just a patron. God wants you to be the designer, not just a gamer. 
that's the difference between us being here and being there. And Jesus says, I pray for you. We all are here to be creative part of God's design for the people around us and not just simply be consumer of the things that they put out. So that's why Jesus says that he pray that we are in the world, but we are kept from the world. We should change the world. We should not be changed by the world. And we are here to express God's will. And the Apostle Paul says that, be not conformed to the world, but by the renewing of your mind, be changed and transformed into the image of God. You, people should look at you and see God and see the creative work of God in your life that you would in turn affect them, whereas the other way shouldn't happen, meaning they affect you. So what happened to, to Daniel? Daniel was placed in captivity in Babylon. Now, something that's very troubling about Daniel. Did you know that Daniel was a eunuch. Daniel cannot have a family. Well, not by choice, by force, because he was supposed to be in the court of the king. So they castrate him and his friends. Does that change your image of yourself a little bit? Yeah, just a little bit? Okay. So Daniel, he has no other desires. And just imagine, his thoughts and his, his mind has always been on, why am I here? Very contemplative, thinking about it. He's one of the wise men. He's not going out there having girlfriends and relationships. That's, it's not possible for him. He's been thinking about this. And I know it's been very vexing for him too. And it's vexing for all of us sitting here in this place. We look around and we see all of this destruction that's happening. And the question you want to ask yourself is, why? Why am I here? A lot of us, we are not motivated until something happens to us. I was down in Santa Cruz, and um, I don't know for whatever reason, I found myself hanging to my dear life on a side of the mountain. I don't know what caused me, but I was out there hanging on the side of the mountain. So apparently, I've been climbing the rocks, and I just wanted to see what's on the other side of that rock. And then I finally realized I can't go back, but it's pretty dangerous. And I'm tired. I can't go forward because it's dangerous. And I'm just hanging out there. Any of you ever experienced that? Just hanging out there for your life and you realize I could die. I could die. I could die right here. If I let go, I would fall and I die. And there's no one to help me. I remember that day until today, I just hanging out there and said, if I just let go, I would die. The only thing that I still have that's hanging on to my life right now are these two hands holding on to the rock. If I just let go, I would die. The more I think about it, the more terrifying that thought is. Now, the question is, I no longer want to go over there. I just want to go back. And I thought, what if I climb down? The surface of the rock was, was like, um, the, the mountain is usually like this, right? You can climb down. But unfortunately, I got to a point when it was like this. You know, it's, it's like this. And uh, yeah, climbing down was, was not an option. I climbed back with a very different strength than, than I did when I climbed out. I was much stronger and my hands were stickier than I, and even though I, I spent some time, went out there, I should have lost a lot of my my strength already, but the fear of death really motivated me to go back. I was really, really strong when I get back to, to shore. Death is the only thing that would motivate you. The best motivator for us is death, the fear of death. You know, when I crashed my scooter, 
I was in a lot of pain, but I realized something. No one there will help me. There's no one there. If I don't get out of the way, I get run over by the next car that's gonna, they won't see me. They don't expect anybody to lie on the road right there. My only motivation was that, do I want to mourn over my hurt or do I want to get killed? So I picked myself up, I wiped the blood off my face and figured, oh, I probably lost a couple of tooth, but uh, okay, I need to get out of the road. But I thought about it on my way to the hospital. You know, if I have a friend here, I'm probably gonna lay out, out there and just make a scene out of it and have them feel bad for me. But I was there by myself, there's no one else there. And if I don't do anything about it, I would get killed by the next car that would come up or I would kill that car because they run over my, my scooter and flip. So all these fear not only my own death, but possibly someone else's death that caused me to get up, wipe off the blood off your face, scooter home. So death is a great motivator. And death was a great motivator for a man named Daniel. If he could not interpret the king's dream, he would have been put to death. He would have been killed. Daniel would have been killed. Remember this, he is part of the wise men. And if he could not interpret the king's dream, he would die. Remember the same story goes with Esther, the same story goes with Achan, the same story goes with Joseph. All these stories have the same, the same theme, is that you are a part of it. You are not exempt. So when the king gave a decree to kill all the wise men, that also included Daniel, Mishael, Azariah, his friends also known as Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They would all have been killed if they would not be able to interpret the king's dream. So death was a great motivator for us. Daniel, together with his friends, would have been killed if they could not interpret the king's dream. So what do they need to do? Did Daniel have the answer for the king? Daniel did not have the answer for the king. Okay, in verse 16, then Daniel went in and desired of the king that he would give him time and that he would show the king the interpretation. See, Daniel didn't have the answer. You don't have the answer. We don't have the answer. Who has the answer? God has the answer. We are not people who have answers at our disposal. God has. God places us here so that we have access to the one who has the answer. We should come to God, get the answer, that the world needs. See, your friends, the people around you right now, are like Nebuchadnezzar, the ones that inquire. There's something that's troubling them in their lives. They are so troubled by what's happening to them. How many of you have friends says, what happened to me after I die? What's gonna happen to me? And then you face them and you say, you go to hell. Or you face them and you say, I don't know. We should have an answer because if we don't have the answer, we will perish with them. We will die with them if we don't have the answer. Because you should have the answer. This is our responsibility. God placed us here on earth is so that we can tell them what the answer is, what the interpretation of their dream is, what are the deep and secret things that are in their hearts. We should have the answer. And if Daniel could not tell King Nebuchadnezzar his dream, yes, Daniel would have died. His friends would have died. But they did not have the answer. Then Daniel went to his house and made the thing known to Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, his companions. Daniel could not do this alone. We cannot do any of these things alone. There's no one out there that has the answer 
Only God has the answer, and no one out there can do this work by themselves. We have been called to be members of the same body, and that body is Christ. And so Daniel has to work with his friends. So you should remember not just Daniel, but also his friends. Because each person plays the important part in God's salvation. Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah are also known as Sadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These people, we know, they work together because we are all in this together. We are a part of each other's lives. And so Daniel has to consult with his friends for the answer. And what happened is that if Daniel does not have the answer, what would happen to him and his friends? They would have been killed. The decree has gone out. They would have been killed. Why does God want to put Daniel and his friends in Babylon at the time? What was the purpose? Reveal that there is a God in heaven and he is king over all dominions and power and kingdoms to show them that there is only one God despite how big and powerful Nebuchadnezzar was. God wants to tell Nebuchadnezzar and also the whole kingdom of Babylon that there is a greater God. There's a, a God who is in charge and control, and that is our responsibility. You see, we are placed here to tell the world, yes, their life can be better. Yes, they can do whatever they want. But more importantly, there is a God that we all will be responsible to appear before Him to answer everything that we do, whether it's good or bad. That's our responsibility. We are here to tell people about God, who He is, what would He do, what will He do, and what our responsibilities are. That is why we're here. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 9. God, in His infinite mercy, does not, you would not realize this, but God does not want anyone to die. God does not want you to die. He would not want the evildoer to perish. This is God. This is your God. He said He does not want the wicked to die in their sin. He wants them to what? To turn and be saved. That is our God. That is why we're here. We're here to tell people that there is a God. There's judgment coming. And please acknowledge God and seek Him so that you would live. That is why we're here. And the Apostle Peter said this, The Lord is not slack, meaning He's not late concerning His promise, as some men count slackness, but is long-suffering to usward, meaning toward us. And here, listen to this, And not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. This is God's heart. He wants us to be the instrument of salvation. He wants you and I to tell people there is a God. He does not want you to die. He wants you to be saved. This is our God. And the reason why we are still here, the reason why Babylon exists so long because God didn't want them to perish. God wants to save. In the Old Testament, only the Jews can be saved. But did you know that you can become Jewish in the Old Testament? Even though you were not born the lineage of Abraham, you can be Jewish. I want to be Jewish. And if you are inducted into Jewishness, then you can be Jewish. You can be saved. In the book of Esther, a lot of people became Jews. In the New Testament, this opened to everyone so that you can believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you and your 
family shall be saved. We all know this. Our responsibility and our task here on earth is to tell people about God, to show them the way of life and truth, and to know that God is not punishing you for putting you here for this long. He's putting you here so that you can teach them the Lord's way and bring them to salvation. Father, help us today, Lord, as we traverse through your word. Think about our role and why we are here and what we are to do with our, with our lives, with our faith. I pray, Lord God, that we begin to take your word and examine it in a way that the Holy Spirit can bring out the life, what you have shown through your prophets, Lord, that we know and that we would act accordingly. God, give us a heart to pursue after you. Give us a heart to understand you want to save. You want to use us. You want the wicked to turn and be saved. You want us to be that instrument of salvation 